You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. If you were here and you were thinking, ah, I've already got it set, I'm marked, we're going to be in Psalm somewhere, um, good for you because that means you've been around and you know that we've been walking through two different psalms the last several weeks, Psalm 19 and Psalm 145, as we've been looking at the psalms of David and reflecting on what he is in awe of, who he is in awe of, this king, this anointed king, this popular king, this successful king was in awe of God. And so we are moving from the Psalms, and we're moving into some epistles from Paul. From King David to the Apostle Paul this week as we reflect on all the events that we are to remember this week as we get ready and and come together for next Sunday. You've got family coming in. There are things in the world that are happening that confound us, that, that horrify us, that bother us. Then we have practical things in our lives that are happening that maybe we're managing really well, maybe we don't feel like we're managing well at all. And this week, there's so many things that come in and compete or try to steer us away or rob us from our awe of God. And so this week, of all weeks, we're turning to a text that kind of simplifies it. It, it makes it complicated in some of the things we're going to look at in the different layers, but it, it really simplifies it. Let's read it together. We're going to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29. We're going to read into chapter 2 to verse 2. 1 Corinthians 1. So that no human being might boast... In the presence of God, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I... When I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Holy God, you know the tension that is happening right now in every individual's life. Whatever it is, you know it. Whatever the complications are, you know them. Whatever we are tempted to boast in, you are fully aware of those things. Whatever we are tempted to worry about or be anxious about, you are aware. And I pray that for the next 
several minutes, we will be compelled, like Paul, to say that we want to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Help us to personally apply it. Help us to celebrate it. In Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul wrote all that he wrote, lived the life that he lived, and died the death that he died because he was in awe. He wrote what he wrote. He lived the way he lived. He died the way he died because he was in awe of Jesus Christ. Everything about him was in awe of Jesus. He chose not to marry. He chose not to have a family. He chose not to have a second home. He chose not to gain a lot of money on a book deal. Uh, He chose not to just get popular by doing all these conferences. He chose not to spend his time, if he were here today, reading all the tweets and all the headlines. He probably would tweet. I don't know if he would read a lot of tweets. But he was in awe of Christ. And it wasn't private for him. This whole idea that our religion and our relationship with Christ is private. Oh, it wasn't for Paul. He forgoed, he left all of these things, these nice things, these good things, so that everyone he talks to, everywhere he goes, anyone that could get close to him, whether it was people that he was actually going to see or whether he got derailed and found himself locked up in jail, those people, whether they wanted to or not, got close to him, they would all be invited into the same passion that Paul had. All of Christ. Philippians 1, verse 21, it says, this sort of the theme of Philippians, the letter, for me to live is Christ. Do you really mean that, Paul? Well, for me to live is Christ, and to die would be gain, because he gets to see Christ. So he is living for Christ. This is common and consistent language for the Apostle Paul. And we should ask, why? Paul, what? I mean, why have you decided to camp out on Jesus, and not just Jesus, but Jesus and him crucified? Why, with all of your training, all of your skill, In Philippians 3, at the beginning of Philippians 3, Paul lists out all his qualifications. He gave his resume to the readers in Philippi, letting them know, here's who I've been, here's what I've been trained to do, here's the depth of my skill, my knowledge, here's all that I could be using, here's all the tricks, all the gimmicks, all the language, all the stuff that I could be using to convince you, to persuade you, to manipulate you, to Whatever. But he says, I'm all about in making this decision to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. Paul, if he were here today, he would be invited to speak on every news radio station because of his training, because of his knowledge, because of his rise up the ladder 
before he became a Christian and his knowledge on politics and worldly systems and religion as a whole with each and every horrible, violent shooting or whatever, they would bring Paul in and say, Paul, make sense of this. You know what Paul would say? I have decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Short answer, because Paul was in awe of Jesus. Specifically, he was in awe of what Jesus did on the cross. He was in awe that Jesus came. He was in awe that Jesus came and he had a purpose in coming. His, he was in awe that Jesus' purpose was to come and go to the cross. Why? For Paul, this changes everything. And we see in our main text here um, today five things, five reasons why for Paul it's really that simple. We see five benefits, five gifts, five opportunities for us that are found in Jesus and Jesus crucified. We see here these five reasons, and they begin with this, that through the work of the cross, or work on the cross, we have relationship with God. The reason why he's fixated on Jesus and Jesus crucified because it's Jesus and the work on the cross that give us a relationship with God. We see it in verse 30. The first benefit here, the first thing that comes through this is we are in Christ. Translation that we read earlier says, and because of him, you are are in Christ. The NET translation says it this way, so that no one can boast in his presence, he is the reason you have a relationship with Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Jesus is the reason why we have life and can have life abundantly, John 10, 10. Jesus is why we are born again, John 3, 16. Jesus is the way to God. Jesus is the way we know the truth about God. And Jesus is the way we have life in God, John 14. That is what it means to be in Christ. Oneness with God and relationship with God begins by knowing Jesus Christ and the work he did on the cross. In these few short verses, Paul surveys, or I guess after surveying the wondrous cross and the wonderful Christ, he professes this is what matters most. Because of Christ, Paul is saying he and we are in Christ. There is no in Christ without Christ. There is no with God without being in Christ. With those who are in Christ comes, because of the cross, these four other things. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. 
I know, I know, you're thinking it's Palm Sunday and you're gonna come and you're gonna be ready at lunch to talk to your kids about the donkey that Jesus rode and how they put down the palms and it's gonna be neat. We're gonna talk about that and picture that and really, I did wanna go there, but I was struggling because more than anything, especially with what's happened in this last week, I want us to realize the power and the beauty of Jesus and what he did on the cross. Through the work on the cross and in this new relationship with Christ, we now have godly wisdom. Godly wisdom. We are given God's wisdom through Christ. There is no other way to have godly wisdom except through Christ. The new Christian is not only saved by the wisdom of God, we are given the wisdom of God. The old has been removed, and part of the new clothes that we are putting on is this wisdom that is given to us by God through Christ. How does it work? Well, MacArthur puts it this way, the truly wise of the world are those whose wisdom is not of this world, but it is from the Lord. Christians can say without pride, without self-boasting, that they have become wise in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we should not be in awe of ourselves, our wisdom, what we are thinking on and what we are doing. We can be in awe of Christ because wisdom is found in Christ alone. We see in 1 Corinthians 20 through 29, the verses that lead up to the verse that we're looking at today, what all this means and how it is all unpacked. I encourage you, if you're looking for things to read this week, start with 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where Paul is saying, there are foolish things in the world, Corinthians, that y'all like to hope in. You're hoping in all this wisdom, but it's not wisdom. And God chooses the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. Instead, notice the wisdom that comes from God in and through Christ. It is important to note that the wisdom that the Christian has is in Christ. And it is both instant and it is also progressive. There's an instant wisdom we have in Christ that we're going to talk about in just a second. It is the saving knowledge that comes through Christ. An instant saving knowledge that comes from God through Christ to us. Saving knowledge. There's this progressive knowledge that we call growing faith that continues as we grow in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 it says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness is the one who shined in our hearts to give us the light of the glorious knowledge of God in the face of Christ. Emphasize, give us. He gave us the light of this glorious knowledge. He gave it to us in the face of Christ. Emmanuel, God, came near us. We know God because we know him. In Christ, we have godly wisdom. The moment of faith that you and I just celebrated as we took communion, that we'll celebrate when we baptize, that moment of faith is an instant saving knowledge. It is the lights coming on in our life. It is the pointing to Christ as I'm aware I need him. 
I'm knowledgeable of my sin. I'm knowledgeable that he has what I need. That is the knowledge of God in Christ for you and for me. And we learn of this knowledge not like a scholar digging deeper. We learn of this knowledge like the blind man who suddenly is given sight. The blind man who thought he knew what a cow looked like. The shape of it. He can feel it. He can hear it. People can talk to him and say, well, it's kind of oddly square, rectangly looking. Kind of hairy, but it didn't look hairy. You know, just you hear the script. So he's like, okay, I got this. But his eyes come up. He's like, whoa, it's nothing what I pictured. And he sees another cow, and then another cow, and another cow, and his just knowledge just keeps expanding because he's got something new. He can see now. The light came on. It's the blind man who thinks he understands what a blue bonnet looks like. People are describing it to him, and he's like, well, they're only ankle high. I mean, what, what's so great about this blue bonnet? And then he's his eyes are turned on. He goes down the street where in this net field there's these longhorns and this orange paintbrush everywhere. And then these blue bonnets are just taken all of a sudden. Aha, I know now. I know. I see it. The blind man who thinks he knows the work of the hummingbird. He can hear it. It's here. It's gone. It's quick. But then his eyes come on. You ever seen or watched a hummingbird work or fly or live? It's breathtaking. It's amazing. And this is the knowledge that comes to us. This is the godly wisdom that is only available in and through Christ when he comes to save us and turns the lights on. Oh, that's how the world works. That's how I lose my struggle and my and in the the addictions to sin that's how that breaks that's how i can be free that's how i can start walking this way that's how i can get closer and closer to god and then there's a whole package of fruit that comes the more we see and the more we know i know this peace and this faith and this joy and this patience now which is completely foreign to those who are not in Christ. Most people would say that this knowledge, this impactful instant knowledge is is God wooing us. No. It's God giving us godly wisdom. Making us see it. Making us alive. It's God turning on the lights and making us aware that we have needs. Making us aware so we get a little more wisdom. Oh, he's the fulfiller of our needs. We get a little more wisdom. Why is Jesus on the cross? Oh, I needed somebody to die for me. Godly wisdom, godly wisdom, godly wisdom in Christ and in Christ crucified. We no, this is a progressive wisdom also. In Ephesians 1, chapter, seven, I mean, chapter 1, verse 17, Paul writes to them, 
There's a spirit of wisdom and of revelation that's in the knowledge of him, that is Christ. And when Paul prays and then verse 18, he says this, he prays that the eyes of the heart, of your heart, may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That know, that is, a, that is a growing knowledge that you may continue to know, may continue to go. The cross opened the door, pouring out wisdom so that you and I can know and grow in the glories and the riches of Christ. This week, if people ask you, why is this happening? Why is this happening? What is going on here? It is not ignorant to say, I don't know. But I know Jesus, and I know that nothing here is more horrible than what happened on the cross. And in that, there is hope and joy and peace. This is the wisdom that comes from knowing Christ and being in Christ through the work of the cross and through the work of Christ, this godly wisdom reveals something also. Thirdly, it reveals that we are declared righteous. There's a declared righteousness through Christ and his work on the cross. This is when we start using these big churchy words that we're like, ah, don't really need. It's just it's overcast outside and there's not a lot of light in here. I'm starting to go to sleep. No, understand this knowledge that's coming that through the cross and through Christ, we've been declared righteous. Similar to gaining godly wisdom, the righteousness that we have in Christ comes instantly and it grows and progresses. In our, now, the declaration of righteous is there, but then we learn how to live righteously throughout our life. If you remember, if you were here in our series in the Psalms, remember what the word righteousness means, or righteous, it means rightness. It's to be something or to be someone that we should be. It's to be as it should be. It's to return back to what it's supposed to be. It's to become what God intends for us to become. When we trust in Jesus Christ, we inherit the rightness of Jesus Christ. Romans 4, verse 5. But, the, but to the one who does not work, but believes on him who declares the ungodly to be righteous. His faith is credited for righteousness. There's a declaration that happens through the cross when we believe in Jesus, when we are found in him, when we are made aware, godly knowledge, godly wisdom coming from him, not something that we're conjuring up. He gives it to us. He gives it to us. Lights go on. We need him. We trust him. His work on the cross did this work. There's a declaration made in the heavenlies. Righteous. Right? I mean, this should stun us more than it does. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. That in him, 
we might become the righteousness of God. Because of Christ, when our awesome God looks on us who are saved, who believe in him, you know what he sees? He sees his own son's rightness, not your wrongness. He sees the good and the beauty and the majesty of all that is good in his son that he paid and secured for you a new title, not jacked up Jason Goings, not dirty, stained, perverted Jason Goings, not adulterer, beater, abuser, liar, accuser, addicted, no, righteous. Because of my son's work on the cross. This is wisdom that comes from God. It is instant and it is beautiful. And the gift is that we continue to grow in this righteousness. Which leads to the other important thing that we get through Jesus and the cross. We get godly wisdom in him, we are declared righteous in him, and we are also promised sanctification through Christ. You thought that first word was a churchy word. I was telling the group back there, some of them is like, this is such a, a difficult Sunday because I'm, I, we can spend a whole series on sanctification, a whole series on being righteous, a whole series on the next word that I'm not saying yet. We can spend a whole series on the wisdom of God. But this is what Paul says in this passage. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and then this word sanctification. There are several different ways that we see this throughout the New Testament, don't we? This idea of being sanctified. Abiding in Christ, which produces much fruit. That means that we're detached from the world, we're attached to Christ, and through him, there's something changing in us. He is the vine. We are the branches. If we remain in him, there's something changing in us, something calming through us, something that's producing in us that is this fruit that brings glory to God. Another image that we see in the New Testament, it says we are his bride. He is the bridegroom. The bride is somebody that is called for, that is chosen, that is 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 selected, picked, and say, I want you, and so I'm setting you apart from all the other women. You're going to be my bride. I'm setting you. I am coming for you. You are set apart, and from this day to that day, I want to give you everything that you need to be ready to be the bride for me for all eternity. There's a set-apartness, a holy other, that comes with being the bride of Christ. We see that we are adopted as his children. Come in to my kingdom. You are citizens of 
my kingdom. You are sanctified away. You're holy set apart from there. You're, going, you're, you're growing into this knowledge. You're growing into what you've already been declared as righteous. And you are mine and you are being sanctified and you're growing and burning off all the ugly and all the beauties coming through. We see an instant declaration of holy. You are righteous. And then we see and know of the progression of sanctification. In Philippians, Paul says, He who began a good work and you will continue and be faithful to complete it. This doesn't mean that we do not slip back into sin. What it does mean is we are growing in wisdom and righteousness and holiness, that we are sinning less and less and less, and that there's the promise of total sanctification, that there's a day where we know we will sin no more. We are born into his family. Other places we see we are reminded to take off the old clothes and dress in the new clothes in our new identity, our new behavior, our new vision, our new eternity that has been claimed and held and is working toward our purification. Through the work of the cross and in Christ, we gain godly wisdom. We gain and are declared righteous in Christ. And we are given the promised sanctification. And lastly, we have complete redemption through Christ. Back to our main text, verse 30. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. To redeem means to buy back. When Christ came and dwelt among us, he was coming to buy you back. That's the purpose. That's the mission. To purchase us, to redeem us from the power of sin and the finality of sin from the brokenness and the curse of sin to be the curse for us on the cross, to make that payment, to secure us in relationship with him forever. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, in him, there it is again, we see in him all throughout Pauline's epistles. In him, we have also received and inheritance. Verse 13, in him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, godly wisdom, the gospel of salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. First Peter chapter 1 says it this way, for you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life. Do you know that? Does your life feel empty? If it feels empty, then think of Christ and the crucifixion. Think of it and ask, God, give me wisdom. 
Ask, God, help me be sanctified and grow. Lord, help me to break the chains of emptiness and purposelessness and live for you. There's more. For you, going back to the Peter passage, for you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but how were you redeemed? With the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. Paul is in awe of Christ. He is in awe of Christ. He is in awe of Christ and him crucified. And he knows what we should now know and praise, that Christ paid for all the wrongs that we have done. He paid for all the wrongness, all the rebellion against God. He paid so that we would have the knowledge of God. He paid so that we would be declared right before God. He paid so that we can begin living in holiness before God. He paid so that we would be freed from all the things that are not from God. Galatians 5, he says it this way, for freedom... Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. When we were going through the series in Luke last year, when we were talking about encountering Jesus as our hope, as our Redeemer, as our Savior, as our Lord, as the great and perfect teacher that he is. Remember the theme where it all launches from for Jesus is found in Luke 4 when Jesus went to the tabernacle, I'm sorry, to the synagogue and read from Isaiah chapter 4 where he he read, quoting Isaiah, this is what we read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty, freedom, to the captives, and recovering the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So as he rolled up the scroll, sat down and said, today this scripture is fulfilled. Jesus knows that his purpose was to come to set you free free by the shedding of his blood, free by the breaking of his body and the sacrifice. In John chapter 8, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son sets you free in Christ, declared righteous, made to be sanctified, given redemption, and you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It is Jesus' desire, it is God's desire 
wherever you might be this week, whatever you're struggling with, to bring you to the cross and say, see, I bought you back. I want you still. Let go of everything else. Let go of being in awe of everything else. Be in awe of, I can see the Father just saying, be in awe of my son. He paid it all. So as you survey your life and all the things that bother you and, and, and that you don't like about your life, survey your life and survey the cross and be in awe of Jesus this week as we celebrate it together. Because of Christ, we have the wisdom of God. Because of Christ, we are adopted into this relationship, given godly wisdom, declared righteous. We are being sanctified, and we are being set free, redeemed. Therefore, let's be in awe of Christ, and let's with Paul say, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let the one who is in awe be in awe of God. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for your love to, to send your son for us. Your plan to, to buy me back to take me from rottenness to holiness. Your plan to declare me right. It's all because of Christ. Help us, Lord, this week to boast in Christ, to celebrate Christ, to look and survey our work as we survey the wonderful work of Christ on the cross. And may you be glorified this holy week in our patterns and our thoughts and our decisions and give us joy as we let things go and cling to you. In Jesus' name.